Hey everyone, welcome to Destiny Midweek, episode 6, the final installment in our Jonah series. I'm Mark Bell, Matt Bell's here with me. Matt, what's up? Hey, it's good to be here for this final episode of season 1. Wrapping up season one here today. No, so this is the end of season one? This is the the final, the finale. Man. I didn't know that. It's also a surprise ending. Yeah. Apparently. To season one. That's cool. How how are you? How was your weekend? How is life? I'm doing I'm doing really well. And uh leaving for Japan tomorrow at 6 a.m. And so we're recording this Monday morning. And so we're just getting ready uh, to jump on the airplane and and fly over the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Maybe in a little bit you can talk about what you're doing in Japan. Yeah. If we have time. Yeah, if we have time. We should have time today. Yeah, I think we will. Good. Well, as we just said, we wrapped up. Our series in Jonah. How do you think the finale went yesterday? The finale, uh, you know, we're Jonah chapter four, the the final uh, chapter of Jonah. And uh, I'll be honest; it's good to be honest. Mm-hmm. I was struggling a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I struggled yesterday. Um, I think my mind's just on everything, getting ready for this trip mm-hmm. to Japan, and. Uh, the ministry will be doing there. And so I, I was, I was having just a, I was struggling. I was really having a hard time focusing on, on this Jonah stuff. Do you think the congregation picked up on that a little bit? You know, I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell. You know, I told Heather as soon as I've, I've, you know, walked, walked off the stage. I said, man, that, that was rough. I was really struggling. She says, Oh, I couldn't tell. Oh, okay. And uh, I couldn't tell. But would would I, she I, say, yeah, you're right, that was really... But she wouldn't, so okay. I can't uh, I can't tell if... She could tell. She could tell. So, uh, you know, I, I I appreciate that of, you know, she says, oh, I couldn't tell, and, and it's like, well, wow, that kind of helps me feel better, but also it doesn't because I don't think she would tell me the truth. Or if she could even, if she could even tell. <laughs> and so uh then later uh my father-in-law Doug texted me and he said that was a great great word this morning. Oh wow. And so I I said, "Wow, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I told him I was struggling." Mm-hmm. And he says, "I couldn't tell." And so I I thought that was funny that, you know, he said the exact same thing as his daughter. Man, maybe you should struggle more often. You're getting texts saying you did such a great job. You know, that's just that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, the Lord works in our weakness. So, yeah, it, you know, just have my mind focused on all the details of the trip and everything that has to get done before we leave. And um, it's kind of like emotionally you're already there. In some right. in some respects, and then mm-hmm. it's like, well, we got to back up and and finish this, and um, it's just it's just a weird a weird thing 
but you know, uh, got, got some good response and feedback afterwards of, of people who came up for prayer and, um, the Lord really touched their hearts. So I think, I thank God for that. And, um, it, it really goes to show you that it, it's really not what we do, but it's, it's what the Lord does through it that actually makes a difference. That's right. Just like we saw last week, five words, sermon. Exactly. A whole city converted. So what was the big takeaway from yesterday? Well, the big takeaway is, you know, Jonah's mad because God didn't smoke and smite all the Ninevites. And he's so angry and depressed that he's suicidal. And he basically asks God to kill him. And we see God's response to Jonah's pity party. And what God's trying to do in Jonah, this is the big idea, what God's trying to do in Jonah is the same thing he's trying to do in us. And that's that we, as his people, would reflect his nature and his character. And Jonah obviously doesn't do that. And the question is, is Jonah going to repent of his bad attitude and get on board with what God has for him and reflect his nature and character, or is he just going to stay where he's at? And it really leaves us there as a cliffhanger. They don't answer where Jonah goes from there. Yeah, it's really interesting. The the reading through it, it ends very abruptly. And I was listening to it the first time I went through it uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever that was a couple months ago as we were getting ready for this. And when chapter four ended, I thought that, um, something had happened on my phone. Oh yeah. That the signal cut off or something. That like, it can't it just, just end like that. Right. But it does. It does. God doesn't care about fairy tale endings and making everything perfect in our minds. You know, he's going to put in his word what he wants in his word. So what do you think happened with Jonah? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. That's actually something that I left out of yesterday that I could have gone into. I think Jonah responds the right way. And the reason I think that... I agree. You agree. Well, why do you think that? Because God was very patient with Jonah. God continued to pour grace out into Jonah's life. And I think the reason for that is because Jonah was one of God's children. And I think if Jonah wasn't going to end up repenting and following God, that God would not have been so gracious and patient with him. Yeah. That's what I think. That's a, that's your, your answer is more spiritual. Mine, mine's a lot more practical. That might be a first. Uh, yeah. So my, my answer is that for this story to be written, for us to know all of these details, Jonah had to tell somebody. Jonah had to tell somebody all this stuff. You don't think the fish? No, I don't, I don't think it was the fish. Shared the story? I don't think, I don't think it, Jonah's the only constant in all of these scenes so there's five different scenes there's Jonah with God at the beginning there's Jonah with the sailors there's Jonah sinking and going into the fish 
There's Jonah in Nineveh, and there's Jonah with God at the end. And Jonah's the only one who knows all of these details. So for us to have this book, whether he wrote it or not, I think somebody else wrote down the story, he had to tell somebody. And and who would expose themselves in such an unflattering manner except for somebody who had come to realize that they do really rely on the grace of God and that there's no condemnation in where they were. It's really a testament to where God brought them. And so they're able to share their story and able to share their testimony with all of the, the ugly parts because it, it ends up glorifying God. God is the one who's glorified in this story. And so it's, it's truly the one who's been transformed who wants to glorify God and share that story. And so I, that's why I think that Jonah did respond the right way because he is able to share this story and not be ashamed of it. That, that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does make sense. But the person who wrote it down is they're, they're not just telling us a story. They're, they're, they're trying to move the reader in such a way that the question that's asked of Jonah is really the question that's asked of us. And do we care about people? Do we, do we have the same compassion that God has for people who are lost? Yeah, that's really good. So was there anything else that they got left out yesterday that you want to touch on here? Yeah. Um, a couple things. The first is again, this issue of God's sovereignty and I didn't touch on that at all uh, yesterday, but we see it um, three times here in this chapter where God is controlling the events. He It says the Lord appointed a plant that grew for shade for Jonah. Then the Lord appointed a worm that came and ate the plant. And then in verse eight, that the Lord appointed a scorching east wind that came and blew on Jonah. And so constantly throughout this this uh, book, we see that it's really the Lord who is directing all of the events and that he is shooting for a certain response from Jonah, which is why he chose Jonah in the first place. There was other prophets at the time, Hosea and Amos, that would have probably obeyed God immediately had he given them this assignment. But instead he chooses Jonah, the one who he knows is not going to. And it's because he's not just trying to accomplish something in the Ninevites, he's trying to accomplish something in Jonah. So again, the sovereignty of God is one thing. Um, The other is, I, I didn't really touch on the fact that I think Jonah was seriously racist against the Assyrians. Mm-hmm. And that, he, he, if not racist, he was definitely prejudiced because of their nationality and their race, which mm-hmm. is racism. I didn't really touch on that because um, that's just so heavy. And you can't just like throw the idea of racism into a sermon without actually making it all about that. Yeah, especially on a day where you're not feeling your best. Sure. 
Yeah, I wasn't prepared to do a whole sermon on bigotry and racism. And, uh, but yeah, the, it's definitely there. And this, this issue of Jonah being so pro his nation that he doesn't want to go and minister to people who aren't from his nation. You know, that, that has significant uh, connections to where we are right now with so mm-hmm. many people being so pro-America, America first, which is, is, is fine. You, you, we're proud to be Americans. I'm, I'm very proud to be an American, but where it gets to the point where we won't minister to other people or that we look down on people from other countries, that's a problem. And that's the problem Jonah had. And I, I don't believe God's people are called to be that way, that we're part of a kingdom that spans borders. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are all over the world and even right across our border. And so with people being so polarized over the border issues and, and things like that, I just, I just didn't have enough gas in the tank to, to really get into that yesterday, but it's there. It's definitely there. Yeah. It's one of those things that when I was reading that last chapter, I was thinking about that too. Like Jonah really did not want to see them saved. He, he could not stand these people. And, you know, I think in our climate today Christians really need to honestly take a look at their hearts and think about are there people that I do not want to see saved and if so why is that what what is going on in my heart what can I submit to God and let him deal with so that I don't get to the place where Jonah was at where there's certain people that I just would not want to see God move in their life. Right. Or, or that my prejudice against them would stop me from ministering to them. If, if, if they were in front of me and I had the opportunity to do so. And so where we live, San Antonio, you know, that this issue is like, it's here all the time. We're in a very ethnically diverse city if we buy into some of the very politically charged rhetoric, we can seriously look down on people who are here illegally and not be willing in our hearts to, to show them God's love and to minister to them. And I, I think that's not what God would have us be. That's not who he would have us be. But I, I, like I said, I just didn't have the energy to get into all that yesterday. Actually, I had the energy to get into it. I didn't have the energy to get out of it. Get out of it. And, yeah. and deal with all the, the aftermath that would probably be there. Well, that's what this podcast is for, you know. You, we could call it Aftermath. There aftermath. There's a new name. I like it. Yeah, so we didn't get any new name suggestions, so I don't know. There's, there's that. We'll put that on the list. So is there anything else wrapping up Jonah? It's, it's really, this has been a great, really deep dive on this book that a lot of people might not take seriously or might overlook 
thinking that this is a a kid's story just because they hear it all the time they heard it all the time growing up so i really enjoyed just getting to take a more serious approach to this book but is there anything else that you'd like to highlight or mention before we move on you know i really enjoyed going through this and I, i think our church did too i think it was a blessing to them to see, like you were saying, that there is a lot more in there than a simple children's story, that the message in here is is actually pointed right at us today and right at the issues of our heart and are we compassionate towards people who are lost. And that's that's the charge for all of us is is to allow God's character to continue to be birthed and to grow in our, our hearts and lives every day. Amen. So we have a couple questions. Awesome. Two questions. I think last week was just, we just had so many amazing questions that maybe people were all questioned out. They got them all out. They got them all out. But we have, we have a couple more. They're really good. So the first one is, what does it mean when it says the Ninevites couldn't discern between their left hand and their right? Their left hand and their right. That, that is when God comes to Jonah and, and he's saying, man, shouldn't I have compassion on these people? You have compassion for a plant that grew up in one day and died in the next and, and this city has 120,000 people in it. Shouldn't I have compassion on them? If, if you can have compassion for a plant, can't I have compassion for people and, and shouldn't you have compassion for people? And he, he describes the people of Nineveh, like you said, as a people not knowing their right hand from their left. And what this is talking about is people who are lost. They're just lost. They don't know the truth. They're spiritually blind and they, they simply don't know what they're doing. Yes, they're living in sin, and, and their ignorance is not an excuse, but shouldn't we be compassionate for them in that they don't know the truth and they haven't had an opportunity to receive the truth? And I tied this in yesterday to when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they do. He could have said, forgive them. They don't know their right hand from their left. It's the same mm-hmm. idea. And it just shows us God's compassion towards people who are lost. And I think a lot of times we can look at people who are in the world and who are lost and who are living evil, wicked, sinful lifestyles. And we can look down on them in condemnation or in judgment. And self-righteous people have the capacity to do that. And Jonah here is obviously self-righteous. And so what God is saying is that we need to be compassionate and realize that people don't know the truth. It's not an excuse. It doesn't excuse their sin. But we should look on them with compassion and want to share with them the truth so that they could be freed and, and delivered and forgiven of their sin. Yeah, I know I can really relate to Jonah here growing up in the church my whole life. As a teenager and and in my early 20s, I had friends outside of the church in college. And when I just saw them living a lifestyle that obviously was full of sin, but they just seemed to really be 
enjoying themselves, things in their life seem to be going well. I didn't like that. And, you know, I, I didn't think it was fair that me who was working so hard to keep these rules and live a pure life and do all this. And I felt like there was stuff that maybe I was missing out on, but that they were getting. And anyways, that was just full of self-righteousness. And so I'm thankful that I don't deal with that anymore, that I've been able to have a heart of compassion for these people that are truly lost and understand that they are lost. But I think there's probably a lot of people that are still in that phase of life where they can just get so caught up on, on their works and how, and, and confusing that with their right standing with God. And so when they see other people who aren't doing it, so they don't think it's fair. And then that can just lead to them being very bitter towards those people, which ultimately would keep them from ministering to them. Like you were saying. So good. So we got another question. Last question of Jonah. And that's, did Jonah actually die at some point and resurrect? Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a couple people who have asked me that also in person. I've never heard this. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah, I, I've never heard this either until I started looking into it and see that saw that there's a group of people that really believe that. And the argument, let me present the argument for Jonah dying. And then I'll come back around and tell you why I don't think he did. But the argument goes like this. Jesus said in Matthew 12 that the sign of Jonah would be the sign that he gives to this generation. So I'm going to read from Matthew 12 and let Jesus speak for himself. So it says in verse 38, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Jesus answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so the idea is just as Jesus died, was buried and resurrected, he ties that and points that event to what he calls the sign of Jonah, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so the argument goes, Jesus died. And so he says, what is going to happen to him is what happened to Jonah. So since Jesus died, Jonah must have died as well. And it does say that Jonah, the, the other part of the argument is from chapter two, when it says that Jonah cried out to the Lord. It says, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Now, Sheol can be translated as the grave or the realm of the dead. 
And so it's kind of this mysterious place uh, that Jewish people had in their mind that people went to when they died. And so the argument is that Jonah died, went to Sheol or this place, and that from there he cried out to God. And so that's the argument that he really died. Now, I don't think that he did. In the Psalms, David uses this term a lot, Mm -hmm. Sheol, the grave, and it can be used metaphorically. And so we use terms like, I'm dead tired. Mm -hmm. And, and, And so what I think Jonah here is saying is that he was knocking on death's door down in the region of the grave. But the reason I don't think that Jonah died is from Jonah chapter two, verse one. It says that Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. And so Jonah is in the fish praying to God. Now, the argument goes that, the the other side of the argument that believes that Jonah died is that, yes, Jonah was dead in the fish and his soul was in Sheol Mm -hmm. praying to God. Like, it doesn't say that, right? It says Jonah's in the fish praying. And then the prayer he prays is a prayer of thanksgiving for God saving him from from drowning mm-hmm. by, by the fish swallowing him. So I don't think that if he had died, he would be praying a prayer of salvation, a prayer of thanksgiving for having been saved. So I don't think that he died. It doesn't say that he died. If he did die and resurrect, I think it would say that. I think that's a pretty incredible miracle. Yeah, he probably would not have left that out. Yeah, that I think it would be more explicit in there that that's what happened. And he's praying from the fish and he's praying a prayer of thanksgiving for being saved from dying is how I read it. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a main major point. It doesn't really add anything to the story. If you do believe that Jonah died and resurrected, I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. No big deal. It actually makes the story, for some people, it makes the story story easier to believe because people are like, well, how could a man survive inside a fish? Mm -hmm. And then they, you say, well, he didn't, he died in the fish. And then he was resurrected. But why is it, why is that easier to believe that God could raise someone from the dead who was inside a fish than that God could keep somebody alive right inside the fish? I, I don't know. No, that makes sense. So I don't think he died, but either way, it doesn't matter. Great. You, you swayed me. I was in the, you know, when you were laying out those arguments, you like, were in the man. He did die, <laughs> but now you've brought me back. I don't think he died either. Well, cool. That wraps up Jonah. Yeah, thanks, Jonah, for helping us to become more like Jesus and to learn from your example. And hopefully that your life continues to speak and point people to Jesus, who was the prophet who actually obeyed God. So before we go, you mentioned earlier you're going to Japan. Yeah. I thought maybe you could take a couple minutes, talk about what you're doing, why you're going, yeah. where you're going. Yeah. 
Love to do that. Okay, do it. What people might not know, mo- most people probably do that are listening to this, but what you may not know is that our church really started in Japan. The founder of our church was saved in Japan. He went there as a businessman, was not a believer, a man named Leonard Coote. And as he was there on business, he lived with a missionary and argued the Bible with the missionary. The missionary challenged him to read the Bible and on reading the Bible, he was converted and became himself a missionary. And while traveling here in the United States during World War II, he started this church some 78 years ago. And so in Japan, there are still going strong today, many different churches that were founded by this man, Leonard Coote, and also founded by my grandfather, John Bell, and uh, one of our elders who was a missionary in Japan for about 40 years, Archie Alderson. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go visit those churches and encourage them and build them up. And we also still have a missionary in Japan today, the Sayer family, Bobby and April Sayer. Bobby. And Bobby is planting a new church there called the Good News Center. And so we're going to go see them, see what they're doing, encourage them, visit these other pastors and churches, encourage them. And at the end of the trip, there's a two-day pastor's conference that I'm going to be speaking at as well. Was that already something, or did they set that up because they knew you were coming? It. We are going at this time because they That's usually have an annual conference. And so when they found out we were coming, they invited us to come and and be the speakers at that this year. So I'm very excited about going. I think uh, we do have a strategic relationship with these brothers and sisters, and I'm hoping that this trip will strengthen that and provide more doors of opportunity for us to do more ministry in that nation. Heather's going with you. Heather's going with me. It's her me. first time in it's Japan, It's her first correct? time. It's your fourth time? Fourth. This is my fourth trip, and this is her first. And so I'm I'm super excited for her to be going. And we're I know we're going to have a great time together. A few other pastors are going with you as well? Yeah. Some of my really good friends are going. Jason King, Pastor Jason King from Denver, Colorado, and Pastor Philip Thompson from Wapaka, Wisconsin. Both of these guys had at separate points told me, next time you go to Japan, I want to go. And they're both graduates from IBC. And IBC was the Bible school that I went to that was also founded by the same man, Leonard Coote. And so as they went through that school, they heard these stories. And what's interesting is that Philip Thompson's dad, Bill Thompson, was Mm -hmm. a missionary. Bill Thompson went to IBC and graduated and went to Mexico as a missionary. And while he was in Mexico as a missionary, he supported the Aldersons 
in their missions work in Japan. And so Philip grew up on the mission field in Mexico, watching his dad send missionary support to the Aldersons. And so ever since he was a little boy, he wanted to go and visit these churches and see these churches. So that's going to be the fruition of, of that dream that he's had for a long time to see the fruit of what his dad sowed into 50 years ago. And then Jason King, uh, God just put it on his heart to go and, and visit that country. And so this is a trip we've been planning. Me and Philip have been talking about this Oh, probably for at least three years. And then Jason and I started talking about it about a year ago. And yeah, we're just going to go and see and, and meet these pastors and encourage them and just see how the Lord would lead as far as future opportunities uh, to do ministry in that country. Japan's a beautiful country, beautiful people, and it's a huge country about 150 million people and only 1% are professing Christians. I think less than 1%. Less than 1%. Mm-hmm. And so it's a huge, huge harvest field. And yeah, we'll just, we're just going to go and see, listen to the Holy Spirit and encourage these churches and these believers. So you mentioned Bobby. Bobby's one of our great friends. He recently just started a podcast. That's right. It's called Church and Coffee with Friends. And so... Those are three great things, Church, Coffee, and Friends. They are. Wonderful things. As you take a sip of your coffee there. (sighs) Colombian roast today. Man. So we're going to take a break up here in the upper room while you're gone that's right i'm i am hoping uh for season two Mm -hmm. to record a couple of episodes in japan and so i'm hoping to to get a episode of destiny midweek with bobby and uh maybe at the end of the trip i'll be able to record a episode with either jason or philip and uh bring you a report uh from the trip and how it's going I'm going to be honest. I don't know how I feel about season two starting without me. In well, fact, I do know how I feel about that. I don't like it. Well, it's kind of like. Maybe it's like an epilogue to season one. It's kind of like when, uh, you know, a season starts, but somebody couldn't be on the show at the beginning because they were like having a baby or something in real life. Okay. Okay. But uh, I think season two, I think season two is just going to be all in Japan. Oh, okay. And then we'll, we'll start season three when we get back. I see. So season two is, is really just one of those short, it's like a mini, like a mini series. Season two is like when the writer's guild has a strike Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then they come back for like two months. And then they knock out a couple episodes, but it's not a full season. Right. That's what season two is going to be like. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're hoping that you, you might, if you, if you are subscribed to Bobby's podcast, you might actually 
hear the same podcast but with two different names. So maybe Bobby will put that recording on his Church and Coffee with Friends that will also be on Destiny Midweek. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be good enough for his podcast. Up to snuff. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But anyways, well, that's awesome. We're we're excited about you going to Japan. The church is excited. We we've been praying and we're pumped up for that. Yeah, and the cool thing is that while I'm gone, um, we're gonna have a couple really great speakers that come in. My father-in-law, Doug Pittman, is gonna be preaching next Sunday, and then the following Sunday, my pastor, Pastor Sam Walker, is gonna be here to preach. And then Sam's going to stay over for the men's gathering the next night on October the 9th, October the 7th mm-hmm. at 630. And he's going to have a great word for the men. Oh, yeah. On that night as well. So it, it some really great things are, are still going to be happening here at the church uh, while I'm gone. And I'm excited to hear the reports about everything God does when I get back. Speaking of the men's gathering and reports, I have a report on the ladies night. Oh, were you at the ladies' night? I was. Okay. I was at the ladies' night. How nice. I was the only guy there, but I was I was there. And uh, it was, it. I mean, I shouldn't speak for the ladies, but from what I observed, it looked like they had a wonderful time. A lot of ladies there doing their lady thing. So that's encouraging. It was great to see. We've, you know, we just kicked off these two fellowships, gatherings, ministries, whatever you want to call them. And the first two have been awesome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to where we're going with the destiny men and just talking to some of the ladies that volunteer in children's ministry. They're really pumped up and excited where things are going with that ministry also. Yeah. Get plugged in. Oh yeah. If you, if you miss the first gathering or the second gathering, the men's or the women's, man, you, you got to get plugged in. Some really good things happening in those groups. Is that it? Season one? I can plug Romans 8. You can. You can plug Romans 8. And, you know, if, if, any, if for whatever reason people just want to skip season two, I wouldn't encourage that. But season one and season three would just flow seamlessly together. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to plug Romans eight, yeah. When I get back from Japan, we're going to start a new sermon series that we will be digging into here on destiny midweek. And we're going to be going through what many people believe is the greatest chapter in the whole Bible. Romans chapter eight. Wow. And it's quite a statement. Yeah. M- many people believe that. I mean, this is the first time you've ever done a series on one chapter in the Bible. So perhaps you believe that as well. You know, I, I would love to do a whole series on Romans, but it would probably take two years. And I don't know if, if that's a good idea, honestly, but I have wanted to do Romans eight for a while. And it just so happens that when I get back, that'll be right about the time frame before we're into the Christmas season. And so it's just a perfect season of time to jump into that chapter. It's really fascinating that it's eight weeks on Romans 8 also. Yeah. It just I, sounds good. 
I, I would look through it and study through it and I thought, yeah, I, I can see how this could be broken up into eight weeks. And uh, I know of one preacher, his name's Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was from, he, he ministered in Britain in the 1950s era and he preached 40 sermons on Romans 8. So we're condensing it down and uh yeah so do you have a title for this series or is it just simply romans 8 no i've got a title oh yeah uh yeah you know it's real important to have a catchy title right just something that sticks easy to remember something that sticks easy to remember and let you know just exactly what it's all about so what was the Title for Jonah. The title for Jonah was Bad Prophet, mm-hmm. Big Fish, Faithful God. Simple to Simple the point. Simple to the point. Catchy. Man, I can't wait to hear what this title is going to be. Yeah, so Romans 8, mm-hmm. the title is Living the, mm-hmm. and then there's some stuff in the middle. Okay. Kind of life. And the stuff in the middle is the stuff we find in Romans 8. So is it just like a, a blank, like a long blank, like living no. the... No, I filled it in with some kind stuff. Kind of life? I filled it in. And so I the, the title is Living the No Condemnation, Spirit-Filled, Power-Infused. If God is for us, who can be against us? More than a conqueror, supernatural... Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, kind of life. Real simple, real simple, (laughs) catchy, straight to the point title. Wow. Well, cool. And and usually we make like a banner. You're going to be able to fit all that on a banner. We're going to cram it all on. Okay. As best as we can with the Lord's help. Great. Well, now I'm I'm looking forward to multiple things. I'm looking forward to how you're going to put that on a banner, and I'm really looking forward to the series. So if you want over the next couple of weeks to jump into Romans 8, start reading through that, praying through it, getting ready for the next upcoming series, which will be series two of this podcast, but season three. Yeah of the podcast yeah do it do it open open up Romans 8 and let it be a blessing to you I really think it's going to be a great series for our church in this season and really believe in God to strengthen people's walk with him over the fall all right well that's it season one season one in the books we made it six episodes in praise the Lord we're still here yeah you know, I just want to say it it really has been a a great season. We've had some good moments. We've had some highs, a few lows. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to probably not do any more Hebrew. In no, the you don't think so. It's going forward. Yeah, I got a little worried when you started talking about Sheol and and um Oh yeah. Yeah, I I just thought you were going to try to do something a little No, just I yeah, the the Hebrew language is not my native tongue, so. How's your Japanese? 
Not not good. No. But Google Translate's amazing. Mm. So I'll probably just use that app a lot. Cool. All right. Well, hey, we will... Next time you hear from Destiny Midweek, it'll be a report from Matt in Japan. So keep an eye out on that to drop into your feed. And until then, have a blessed week.